This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters March 13th. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. I am going to go out on a limb here and say it may be the case that Pete Buttigieg is out of the Democrat race for the presidency, but I don't think we've seen the last of him. I really don't. And I think that his campaign was not so much about him being electable. I don't really see how you're electable as the president if you are a so-so mayor of a small town, relatively speaking, South Bend, Indiana. I don't really think you're qualified to be president. Of course, it didn't stop Barack Obama. He didn't have much experience either. And the experience he did have, he pretty much did nothing. They were just grooming him to become the president. But it's interesting how those two candidates have really mirrored one another. I I should say that Pete Buttigieg, in many ways, has mirrored Barack Obama. And that was completely by design. I've been saying this since day one when I started covering Pete Buttigieg and that whole campaign before Pete Buttigieg was even a known commodity. I just, oh, man, I'm looking at this guy. He's got that intersectionality thing going on. Barack Obama was playing up his race and Pete Buttigieg was playing up his immorality. So that's really it. Bottom line, that's why people should vote for him because he's gay. If he were not a homosexual, would he have run for president? I doubt it. What else does he have going for him? Everybody else who is trying to become the Democrat nominee is incredibly radical in every way, a Marxist in every way, pro-abortion in every way, pro-LGBT in every way. What distinguishes him? His intersectionality. He's got that homosexual credibility. It's so bizarre to me. It's funny, though. Yesterday, The Hill ran a story talking about an interview that Pete Buttigieg did And he said that staying in the race is the best thing he can do for his party and his country. (laughs) He was on Meet the Press. He said, every day I'm getting up, looking at how we can do what's best for the party. It's why we got into this race in the first place. Oops. Well, I guess that didn't pan out so well. Then you have the New York Times reporting on the fact that he's decided to quit the Democratic race facing this loss, obviously, that just occurred in the South Carolina primary. Very poor performance with black Democrats signaling an inability to build a broad coalition of voters. That's been a problem for him for a long time. And this came just 48 hours before Super Tuesday, when 15 states and territories will allot a third of the delegates overall. The results were widely expected to show him very far behind Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. How can you lose to Joe Biden? I guess that's an entirely different question. Joe Biden's latest thing. Did you see he came out and said that he's a candidate for the U.S. Senate? Uh, Joe, um, you're not a candidate for the U.S. Senate. You're running for president. He has said so many bizarre things. I can't believe he's still in the race. And I'm, I'm no fan of Mayor Pete. You know that. I'm no fan of any of these people, but I'm just saying, how in the world can you lose to Joe Biden? Well, he's had experience in Congress and Mayor Pete is just a mayor of South Bend, Indiana, uh, formerly. But here's the thing that I really think is going to be interesting to watch. What's the future for Mayor Pete? Was he just the guy to put in there to mainstream homosexual candidates? Maybe. Or 
he could end up on the ticket. I've said from day one, I think there's an extremely strong likelihood that he could end up on the ticket as the VP. And you might say, well, how could he end up on the ticket as VP? He's just somebody with almost no experience. Well, yeah, but didn't stop him from running for president. And and think how cool that would be. You know, he could dance on the Ellen show with her and he could open all sorts of doors for trouncing on religious liberty. I mean, we need more of that, don't we? We don't want to have too much religious freedom in this country. We certainly don't want those haters and homophobes and bigots to be able to continue on as they have been crushing and harming people in the LGBT movement for all of these decades. Give me a break. I mean, this is all about switching the narrative up. I have a touching personal story about my own life. You know, I know this is part and parcel of politics, but it just gets a little old when somebody is trying to turn reality on its head, claiming for how long that he's the real Christian. Pence is horrible. Trump is horrible. These evangelical voters are horrible. You know, I'm the real Christian because I know Matthew 25 talks about the sheep and the goats, and that's about social justice, even though I know nothing about the Bible. But that doesn't stop me. That does not stop me. I'm telling you, I don't think we've seen the last of Mayor Pete. But I wanted to get to a couple of clips because I think it's important for us to keep in mind who this man has been and who he may be in the future if he is resuscitated as a viable candidate. And like I say, it's either going to be VP or he's going to end up down the road running again. I just they're going to they're not done with him. I'm telling you, he's he's too intersectional for them to leave him alone at any rate. You might have noticed a few days ago that he was on this CNN town hall and there was this nine-year-old boy who was, it was, I I didn't even want to play the audio for you because it's so hard to listen to when we're talking about little kids. Oh, how, you know, how can I find inspiration from you, Mayor Pete, when I come out of the closet as a homosexual? I'm like, what, what is wrong with these adults that they're putting this kid in this position and the exploitation of children on the LGBT issue just makes me so mad. So that went on. But what was very interesting was listening to some of his comments regarding what he really thinks of Christians. Now, I want you to listen to the question here posed by a woman who called herself a member of the LGBT community. I don't know to what extent that that means she was a lesbian or bisexual, pansexual, polysexual, who knows these days. Let's go to Facebook and ask what gender she is too while we're at it. But she asked Buttigieg a question about discrimination. And I want you to listen to this because I think the answer is very significant. This is cut two. Our governor was recently granted a waiver for faith-based foster and adoption programs that accept federal funding, allowing these programs to reject prospective parents if their sexual orientation or gender identity doesn't align with the group's religious values. This ultimately harms the children in their care and discriminates against the LGBT community. If elected, how do you intend to protect and uphold the separation of church and state and work for these children? It's very simple. I believe that federal funding should never be used to discriminate. It is a basic principle. And here's how I think about religious freedom more broadly. And I think, uh, I feel this way both as a citizen uh, and as a person of faith. Uh, Of course, it is so important to the fabric of this country that uh, people of every religion and of no religion can practice their faith to the best of their conscience. But like any other freedom, that freedom ends where you begin to invoke it to harm other people. Just as the freedom of speech, right, or any other freedom is constrained by that. 
We all treasure our freedom of speech, but nobody here has the freedom to yell fire in this crowded space. It is the same way with religious liberty. We respect and I will fiercely defend religious liberty, but not past the point where it is being invoked as an excuse to harm other people through this kind of discrimination. Mayor, just to be clear, do you believe that other religious and nonprofit institutions like colleges and homeless charities should lose their federal funding if they refuse to hire or serve LGBTQ people? Yes, if they are discriminating, then they should not be doing it with federal dollars. Think about this for a moment. Think about this. He is equating religious freedom, which is given to us by God and is recognized in the First Amendment. In other words, let's let's recall the state did not give us religious freedom. All our founders were saying is they were recognizing that we already have religious freedom. It's an unalienable right that was given to us by God, and the state has no right to take it away. And he is equating religious freedom to practice the Christian faith by looking at homosexual behavior as the sin that it is. And we have the freedom of conscience and the freedom of expression and the freedom of religion to be able to do that because God allows us to do that. Keep that in mind. He's equating that with yelling fire in a crowded theater. When they talk about freedom of speech is curtailed, if you yell fire in a crowded theater, that's not something that should be free. And what's the reason for that? Well, the reason for that is because if you yell fire in a crowded theater, you could cause a panic and people could run out of the crowded theater and people could be trampled or hurt or or what have you. But I, we understand what the fire in a crowded theater decision was all about, but, but but it's not the same thing as curtailing religious freedom. You can't curtail religious freedom. That's the whole point. We're going to come back after this break. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. Stay with us. We'll return right after this. story company comes i still believe based on the real life true story of chart topping singer jeremy camp i still believe reminds us that amidst life storms true hope can be found in christ he chose to walk into the fire with her that's what love is if one person's life is changed by what i go through it will all be worth it i still believe starring kj appa Britt robertson shania twain and gary sinise rated pg parental guide suggested in theaters march 13th more information is at i still believe movie.com Christians losing their businesses for not baking wedding cakes for homosexuals. Parents losing custody for not affirming their child's gender identity. Big tech censoring Christian books, videos, and social media posts. This isn't a dystopian nightmare. It's America in 2020. But what will God's people do to respond to the sexual radicals whose rising social and political power is threatening our religious freedom and our free speech? It's time for Christians to get informed about the looming threats that we're facing and learn how to respond as both salt and light. That's why I'd like to personally invite you to join me at our second annual God's Voice Conference, a biblical response to LGBTQ plus tyranny coming to Oklahoma City on April 17th and 18th. You'll hear from an unprecedented lineup of some of the leading Christian thinkers, 
pastors, pro-family activists, and medical and therapeutic experts who are fighting on the front lines of this battle and standing firmly on God's word in the face of growing LGBTQ plus opposition to Christianity. Let me tell you, there's nothing else like God's Voice Conference to get Christians ready to stand in this evil day. So I hope to see you at the God's Voice Conference and outreach of First Stone Ministries, April 17th and 18th in Oklahoma City. And take advantage of our early bird discount registration, only $85 through March 16th. So don't delay. Go to godsvoice.us. That's godsvoice.us and register for a conference unlike any other. Go to godsvoice.us and register now. What the church needs now is God's Voice. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, as I said, I don't think Mayor Pete is gone. I really don't. Dropping out of the presidential race is one thing. He's way behind the other candidates, so he had no path to victory. I still think he could end up on the ticket as VP. I still think it's totally possible. Why? Because he's got a cool intersectional thing going on with that homosexuality. And, you know, it's funny. USA Today, I believe it was, referred to him as a moderate. A moderate. I know. I'm laughing, too. I'm laughing. too. He's a moderate. He's as radical as it gets. And it's just incredible the vantage point that people have by which they can make ridiculous statements like Mayor Pete is a moderate. And in particular, I'm talking about what he had to say recently at the CNN town hall when he said your religious freedom ends where you begin to invoke it to harm other people. We're talking about homosexuals. All right. And it's in the context of this idea that you shouldn't be able to get any federal funds as an organization if you, quote unquote, discriminate against LGBTQ people. Now, let's go back and recall when we're talking about somebody like Jack Phillips, somebody like Baron L. Stutzman, these more famous defendants in these cases where Christians have said in the wedding industry, I'm sorry, but I just cannot participate in your so-called same-sex wedding because it's not a wedding and it's immoral to do what you're doing and I don't want to participate in it. They have never, ever refused to serve homosexual customers. And that has been one of the big lies that all of these activists have been pushing. Oh, you're discriminating. You don't want to serve people. It's ridiculous. You know, we had we had that instance, you might recall, where that coffee shop in Seattle had some pro-lifers who had come in and were sitting at the table, and the owner of the coffee shop, who I believe was a homosexual himself, said, your haters, get out, and threw them out of the establishment. And they're left scratching their heads and say, wait a minute, it isn't the left the same side of the aisle that's always yelling that we can't discriminate against homosexual customers, and you just threw a couple of pro-lifers out on the street who were simply sitting at their tables and... And drinking coffee and bothering nobody, I don't like your viewpoint. Okay, so it's nice. So heads they win, tails we lose. Isn't that wonderful? So Mayor Pete says, oh, it's fine if you have freedom of religion, but your freedom ends where you begin to invoke it to harm other people. Uh, define harm because you don't have the right to somebody else's biological child, Mayor Pete. That's not how it works. And that's what adoption is all about. This ties in, of course, into the Supreme Court's decision that it will be hearing a case that could have huge implications on the rights of Christians and other faith-based adoption groups or foster care groups to turn away homosexual couples on the grounds of religious beliefs. The Christian Post wrote about this. The country's high court will hear the case brought on behalf of a Catholic foster care 
set of parents who sued the city of Philadelphia for no longer placing children with Catholic social services because the organization does not place children in the homes of lesbians or homosexuals. The case of Fulton v. Philadelphia dates back to 2018 when city officials moved to stop the placement of children in homes of foster parents affiliated with CSS of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and Bethany Christian Services of Greater Delaware Valley. Both organizations prohibited the placement of children with same-sex couples, and the city argued that it wanted to prevent discrimination against the LGBT community. Again, stop right there. Nobody has a right to somebody else's child. Now, I know the argument is, it's not fair. If you would place a child with a married couple, male and female, then it's discriminatory to not place children with a male couple, two males, or two females. Well, in whose world is that discriminatory? In whose world does that pose a situation where there's no moral difference between the two? Are you ignoring all of these studies that show that children do best in a home with a mom and a dad? Do you understand the complementarity of a man and a woman actually being the two sexes, the opposite sexes that can conceive a child when you can't have same-sex couples conceiving a child? This is so basic, I can't believe we even have to go back and look at this and explain it in raw terms to people who have forgotten what reality is. You don't have the right to somebody else's child. And by the way, if you're a married couple, you don't have the right to somebody else's child either. It's not a matter of I'm going to walk into an adoption agency or a foster care group and they're just going to hand me a baby or they're going to hand me a little kid. There are a lot of hoops you have to jump through. So what we're really seeing here is an entire group of activists and radicals who are saying male on male is the same thing as male on female when it comes to the issue of marriage and therefore it's just as much a family as a man and a woman who get married and have a biological child or adopt a child. This is insanity. This is insanity. Think about the broader implications for our country and for our world when we embrace sexual immorality against God's design. That's what it really is all about. And when you reduce it to civil rights language, you're missing the whole essence of what the whole fight is about. The fight is not about civil rights. This is not something that is akin to the civil rights movement of the 1960s. As some wonderful black Christians have put it, don't equate your sin with my skin. It's not the same thing. If you were born with white skin or black skin or brown skin, what have you, God designed you that way. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's immutable. And you can't go from being black to being white and you can't go from white to being being black. I mean, we all know this, so it's not the same thing. And these people are so radical and they're so deceived. And I just think it's incumbent upon good people in this country to keep up the fight for reality and for defending what is morally right. And I think we've lost our nerve in many regards. It's funny how many stories in discussing Mayor Pete don't even make a big deal about the homosexuality. Well, the reason that his campaign failed was because he failed to really connect with minority voters. Okay, do you think there was anybody who didn't want to vote for him because he had a quote-unquote husband? I'm sure there were a lot of people who didn't want to vote for him because of that, but they'll never talk about that. They won't talk about that because they'd be talking about Democrat voters, and they would never portray Democrat voters as a bunch of homophobes. Because that's not their deal. It's the, the deal of the mainstream media to always uphold the Democrat Party as being the reasonable party and the party of progress. 
And if they start insulting their base, they're going to run into trouble. Now, something else I want to play for you is a cut from Pete Buttigieg a little bit earlier this year. Actually, it was in August of last year. And this is in contrast to what he says, that you shouldn't get federal dollars. I guess if you're even a Christian college, you should have to hire homosexuals. Well, what do you think the Equality Act is all about? That's what it's all about. But what does he think about federal dollars for abortion? Well, he spoke at a NARAL Pro-Choice America town hall in Des Moines back in August of 2019. I want you to listen to what Mayor Pete had to say when it came to abortion. Listen to cut three. When I am president, we're going to do more than just stop policies pushing us backward. We're going to ensure access to abortion care and proactively expand access to reproductive health. We're going to make sure that all women have access to comprehensive, affordable care. Knowing, by the way, that there is more to women than reproductive health. Comprehensive care, physical health care, mental health care that is not getting enough attention in this country. And yes, preventive care, contraceptive services, prenatal and postpartum, and safe and legal abortion. It's part of my plan to get us to universal health care, Medicare for all who want it. Give all Americans the option to get into a Medicare-style program and opt out of the private corporate system that is letting them down without ordering them to do it, but allowing Americans to do what they do best, which is vote with our feet. I don't think we get there in this country by just flipping a switch and kicking millions of Americans off of their plans. But I also don't think that you're free when insurance companies can keep finding ways to charge you more and then abandon you and your family when they're most vulnerable. That's why we need a better way. And we will eliminate the Hyde Amendment and restore funding for abortion care for Medicaid patients and other federal health programs. Okay, well, let's just think about that for a moment, because this is... The amendment that was enacted back in 1976, named after my one-time congressman, Henry Hyde, the whole purpose of the Hyde Amendment was to prohibit federal funds from being used to pay for abortion. Now, there are some exceptions, rape and incest, but the whole idea, and it had been a very nonpartisan idea for many years, is that you don't want to force people to pay for something that they see as immoral. Now, do you see the irony here? Because he just got through a few days ago saying that if you do not hire and embrace and celebrate homosexuality, that you should not be able to have any federal funding. If you're, for example, a college. Think about that. You have to accept homosexuality. And and in this case, when he was talking back in August about eliminating the Hyde Amendment, what he's saying is, we are going to force you to pay federal dollars to support abortion. You should be forced. Now, that ought to scare all of us. Anybody who would make that sort of a radical comment, I want the Hyde Amendment eliminated. And Biden said something similar. This is the direction these radicals are going. They want to toy with your conscience. In fact, they want to take a tractor and just mow down your conscience. We couldn't care less what you Christians believe. Your religious freedom stops when I have a radical agenda that I want to shove down everybody's throat. Got it, Christian? And by the way, I'm more of a Christian than you are. These people ought to scare Americans to death. Maybe not literally, 
but I'm using that in a metaphorical sense. People ought to fear what these people are trying to push on this nation. There are many things that are very troubling about what a lot of these potential would-be presidents want to push on the United States. Uh, But this one really takes the cake, in my view, because when you begin to take away the ability of Americans to think for themselves morally and to live according to the Bible, and, and it does come down to that, then you... You have violated the separation of church and state. You're in violation of the very principle that you've been accusing Christians of violating for years with things like prayer in the public schools. It's just time, in my view, for Christians to stand up against this nonsense and stand up against these lies and reclaim what our founders understood about God giving us the rights that we have the freedom to use and to enjoy and to celebrate. We don't have to celebrate homosexuality or abortion. Those things are immoral, and we have the right to say so and live that out. We're going to come back. Stay with us. This archived broadcast of Janet Mefford Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters March 13th. More information is available at IStillBelieveMovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. Well, as the Trump administration works to thwart Iran's expansion across the Middle East and put the final spike into the nuclear deal, the best news coming out of Iran is actually little reported. And I'm talking about what the Lord is doing in the hearts and the lives of Iranians who are coming to Christ in an incredible surge of response to the gospel and a wholesale rejection of Islam. Even so, Iran recently was named the ninth worst persecutor of Christians on earth, according to Open Doors USA. But my next guest and his ministry are hard at work bringing the good news of Jesus to people who are living in a country that has been described as a living coffin. And we're going to find out more now from Dr. Hormoz Shariat, who is president of Iran Alive Ministries. Hormoz, wonderful to have you with us. How are you? Good, great. Much thank you for Jennifer allowing me to share. Well, it's great to have you here. What is your reaction to the news that Iran is number nine on this world watch list of persecutors of Christians? Well, when you look at Iran, there are bad things happening and great things happening. It's the worst of the time, and but an opportunity for the Lord, but what the Lord is doing is, is great. So uh, you look at Iran, it's uh, in trouble, economy is bad, people are rejecting Islam and the government, there are sanctions, there are rumors of wars, and everything looks really bad, but I have good news. The Lord is doing a great work in Iran, and Iranians as a nation, they have rejected Islam, and by thousands, they're coming to Christ every month. I myself am from an Islamic background. I was born in Iran, and I was a Muslim, came to U.S. for a Ph.D. degree, and then I compared Islam and Christianity. I wanted to be a good Muslim. I thought, uh, I just need to know more about the Quran so I can be a good Muslim. But comparing the Bible and, and Quran, I realized both are not talking about the same God. And after a few months of uh, comparing, I came to Christ and my life was changed. And, but since I came to Christ in the 80s, the Lord has done a historical movement in Iran. Iran 
you may know, has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. Iran is experiencing a revival. Islam is experiencing its greatest defeat in history in Iran today. And I'm not exaggerating. Something of historical proportion is happening in Iran. I'm talking about the spiritual dimension. And of course, when you look at the Bible, you see Iran uh, in Ezekiel 38 uh, attacking Israel, but also in Jeremiah 49, we see Iran to be safe. So that's a summary. Great things, bad things and good things happening both at the same time. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about your own coming to Jesus Christ back, it was after the revolution, wasn't it, that you came to the United States? Yes, uh, I was on the streets of Tehran at the summer revolution as a student, and I was shouting, death to America, death to America. And of course, Janet, I've changed my mind. I say, <laughs> God bless America today, and I, I mean it. This is a blessed country. I came to Christ here. Yes. But I was, uh, I was pro-revolution and pro-Islam. But comparing that, uh, the two religions or the two the theological mindset, I realized one is true, one is not. And right after I came to Christ, uh, uh, my brother was executed. My younger brother was executed by the government of Iran. And mm. that's when I realized uh, I need to dedicate my life by sharing the gospel to Muslims. Yes. And uh, that's what I started. Yes. Oh, what a terrible situation. I'm curious, when we talk about the largest growing evangelical population on earth, as you just alluded to, in Iran, that's so exciting and it's so encouraging to hear what the Lord is doing over there. Almost a miracle from a lot of Americans' perspective, considering all of the uh, you know, things that are going on over there. But how did the revival begin, Hormoz? Because this, for a lot of Christians, is a little puzzling. We know the Iranian regime has become you know, so out of control, as you mentioned, the economy is bad, all sorts of things are terrible in that country. But is there a pinpoint, uh, a point in, you know, recent history where you can look and say, that was when this revival really started. This was when the gospel really started to take off over there. Well, it uh, didn't happen over time. It took 40 years. This is a time of Islamic government in power. So I I can look at a spiritual journey that took him 40 years. That's why I the rejection of Islam is not an overnight emotional decision by Iranian people. It's a deliberate decision, and it's deep and wide. That's why I can boldly say Iran, Iranians are moving away from Islam, and they will never go back to it. Iran is not an Islamic country right now. I mean, hmm. spiritually. The hearts of people have turned from Islam. By name it is, yes, the government is Islamic, but not the people. So it, it didn't happen uh, overnight. In the 80s, they were saying, well, uh, yeah, Islam is going to take over the world, most of the population. And in the 90s, they were saying, well, there are some problems, but nothing wrong with Islam. It's just the government that's implementing Islam wrong. Hmm. In the year, in the 2000s, they started questioning Islam. And by 2009, that's the Green Revolution, when they took on streets and uh, many of them were killed they started changing their mind. You see, when they, uh, people come on the streets not f- to reject Islam, not to be anti-government, they're just complaining about the economy. They, <laughs> they, there's no work. There's, they cannot feed their own families. Right. And when they get killed by the government, that's when they 
definitely change their mind. And by the way, over 1,500 people have been killed the last few months, and people come on the streets, and the government has no mercy on them. and just kill them on the streets. And the more they kill, the more people are convinced that Islam is not the way they want to go. Wow. So it has been over over 40 years, but recently, the last three, four years, it just uh, accelerated the rejection of Islam. Well, now, when people come to know the Lord in Iran, certainly it's a difficult situation because you don't have any open churches. You have some underground churches, but that's a challenge. What becomes of those Christians when they first believe the gospel? How do they grow in their faith? Do they have Bibles? What happens when somebody comes to know the Lord in Iran, generally speaking? Well, their lives are in danger. Uh, uh, There's no building church. There are very few underground house churches, and we have planted some. You know, we do a 24-7 satellite broadcast. We go over the heads of these mullahs into people's homes, and we not just evangelize, we help these isolated and fearful Christians in the privacy of their homes. We feed them Bible. When I talk about Christian broadcasts, I... Uh, some people misunderstand me. They think it's like a Western Christian broadcast, and uh, there's questionable things are happening there. But I'm talking about the lifeline. These people, they're afraid they're in their homes. They're prisoners in their homes, but they are so hungry for God. Mm. Christians and non-Christians, they're so hungry. Let, let me share you this story. This uh, lady called me, and, uh, and I was talking to her, and I was so impressed by her knowledge of the Bible. And she, uh, we, we discussed about many things, and she has such a perfect biblical worldview of every subject. We talked about marriage, we talked about persecution, and she, um, she recited so many verses from her memory. Hmm. So here I was talking to her for 20, 25 minutes, and I was thinking, some of my elders don't have that biblical worldview, that complete biblical worldview. And I, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm so jealous. She knows so many Bible verses by heart, and I don't. So after 20, 25 minutes, I told her, oh, so how long have you been a Christian? She said, just over a year. Oh. So tell me, wh- why did you call? Why did you call? She said, I called because I, I need a Bible. Can you send me a Bible? Oh, my. I, I said, amazing. You, you, have, you know so much about the Bible, huh? How did you learn? She said, I watch your programs, I take notes, and when you use a Bible verse, I write it down, I memorize it, and I obey it. I do it. (laughs) And isn't that the key to discipleship? Yes. That's a supernatural hunger, Janet. When I talk about supernatural, of course, it's happening with visions and dreams and miracles. Jesus is showing up everywhere. That's for sure. But another miraculous thing and a supernatural thing happening is the supernatural hunger and transformation of people's lives with no pastors, no teachers. Of course, they watch our 24-7 broadcast. Yeah. We yeah. feed them the Bible. Well, I tell you what, hang on just a moment. We're going to take a very short break, but we'll come back with Dr. Hermos Shariat from Iran Alive Ministries. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Don't go away.
The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up with Liberty HealthShare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty HealthShare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty HealthShare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty HealthShare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org JMT for more information. libertyhealthshare.org JMT. Hi, this is Janet Mefford for Preborn. Candace talks about finding out she was pregnant. Thankfully, an ultrasound provided by Preborn allowed her to hear her baby's heartbeat. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. Preborn has 10 centers that do not have ultrasound machines. Would you make a leadership gift and sponsor a machine today? These life-saving machines cost more than most centers can afford. Your tax-deductible gift of $15,000 will place a machine in a needy women's center and save countless lives for years to come. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-BABY, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. It's great to have you with us and great to have with us Dr. Hormoz Shariat, who is president of Iran Alive Ministries. And it's really encouraging, Hormoz, you were sharing a story before we went to the break about a woman who had called. She'd only been a Christian for about a year or less, and she didn't have a Bible, but she knew all this scripture because she was listening to your broadcast and transcribing the Word of God. But that is really indicative, isn't it, of the hunger for the Word of God Uh, among Iranians who have suffered so much in the last several decades under these ayatollahs. It's unbelievable to hear these stories. It is, and uh, it's our job. What I mean is Christians in the West, including me, is to find out what God is doing. You know, God loves the Muslims and wants to save them. Nobody has an answer to Muslims. You know, they seem to be taking over the world by violence and every other way. And nobody has answered. Some people think they just just have to kill them. But if you ask God, do you have a plan for Muslims in the Middle East? I don't think he's going to say, I don't know. I don't. (laughs) I think he has a plan and he's doing it. It's our job to find out what God is doing and work where God is working. He is working in the Middle East and especially Iran as a nation. Jesus is appearing to them. I feel sometimes that Jesus is running a special for Muslims these days. And if you want to be, if you want to see Jesus, you got to be a Muslim. Oh my! <laughs> it's His grace, and I feel God. Jesus say, "Hey guys, look! I love them. I'm appearing to them. I'm healing them. I'm uh, with visions and dreams. I'm talking to them. Would you do your part?" I want to encourage us and uh, the listeners, would you pray for Iran Mm. and would you step forward and let us transform Iran into a Christian nation? 
And we are the winners because in Jeremiah 49:38, not many people know about that prophecy. Jeremiah 49:38, God promises, "I will set my throne in Elam, yes. which is completely inside the land of Iran today. He will set his throne. He is doing it already. I want to encourage us to pray, get involved. This nation is ready for harvest. Those who come to Christ are." They are hungry for teachings. They beg us, please teach us Bible systematically. And I want to ask our brothers and sisters to get involved. Can I share how they can do that? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, to get to be in touch and uh, know what's happening, the easiest way is just to text a word to a number. Just like you're texting somebody, instead of putting the phone number, just put 74784. Like seven four seven eight four, like an airplane seven four seven eight four, and what you text is the word Iran, I R A N. You text, and I send you links to testimonies, a link to our website, and you can be updated. And if the Lord leads you, wants you to pray, to join us in broadcast. I'm, I'm not just looking for financial support. I'm asking our brothers and sisters, if you have teachings on video, if you have media resources, people of Iran are hungry. Let's work together. That is great. What would you say is the greatest need of the Iranian Christians right now in terms of Bible teaching and Bible preaching? Is there a particular area of biblical teaching that they're most in need of hearing? Well, number one, they need Bible, and we uh, partner with other ministries like Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors to smuggle Bibles and distribute. So they want Bibles. Even though it's available online, it's hard to get because of the Internet is very controlled. But many of them have it soft copy. But you can't believe the number one request I get from believers in Iran, there are two to three million believers in Iran, are prisoners in their homes. There's no church. They're just in their homes. The number one request, please teach us Bible systematically. Wow. You know, they find things here and there on satellite television, online. They get some teachings, but they say, we want systematic teaching. That's why we have some good teachers on our broadcast, like Jack Graham and Michael Youssef and, and others. But I'm praying for other Christians to join us to disciple a nation. That's wonderful. I, wouldn't it be great to see the Lord turn it into a Christian nation? Which begs the question then, Hormoz, when you look at the leadership in Iran, which is so evil and so oppressive and tortures and persecutes Christians, you know, it's hard to imagine the people ever being able to run their own country. Do you know of anything along those lines that that is in the works at all about how to displace the current regime? Is there any likelihood of that? What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, well, I have written on that uh, on my blog, which is hormozsharia.com, uh, about the situation and what can happen. But briefly, the people are not in a position to topple the government. It will not happen. They, are, they, they know they have to pay a high price. Tens of thousands of people will be killed, and they're not ready to do that. The government has said, one of the clergy, if we have to kill one million Iranians to keep Islam here, we will do that. Mm. So the government can calm down, but if uh, it happens, it will be through internal conflict. 
if they have fight within themselves. The people will not be able to bring down the government. But if they have fractions among themselves, they will do it. And they have come, you know, they have things like that, but they, they work it out. They have been working out for 40 years, <laughs> any internal conflict, because they know if they fight among themselves, all of them will be losers. So uh, I think at the, uh, in the near future, maybe the next three to five years, we will see a change, but a change will not come by people's uprising. But I believe that uh, maybe the SEPA, the evolutionary guards, will turn against the mullahs and bring, a, I call it, a very fake democracy. Uh, Iran is not ready for democracy, but they love democracy. By the way, Janet, did you know Iranians love Americans? That's they great. love Americans. There's <laughs> no country like Iran who loves Americans. They want to emulate anything American. Uh-huh. The fashion, the music, the politics. They want democracy American style. So there's going to be a change, but Iranians' first option is to be, have a democracy American style. Wonderful. Well, it seems as if we should also pray for the mullahs, pray for the Revolutionary Guard, pray for some of these leaders to come to know the Lord, because if the gospel is spreading, as you said it is, it could reach them as well. God has done amazing things like that throughout history in the lives of people who were the least likely to become Christians, like the Apostle Paul, for instance. Yeah, we see we see the government officials and mullahs coming to Christ. By the way, we just released a short film, very well done, about a SEPA, Revolutionary Guard, commander coming to Christ. Wow. And if they, uh, people are interested, if they send me that text, I will send them a link to that video. It's an amazing story of conversion at the top of Iran. You know, uh, then the gospel goes to people's homes, the clergy and the people in power also receive that. And the, the gospel is powerful. We see people desperate, who are desperate, come to Christ drug addicts come to Christ, but we also see clergy and people in power also come to Christ. So if they uh, text the word Iran to 74784, you will get a link and I will send you uh, the link to a video. You will be amazed. You can watch it and show it to others. Wonderful. I'm curious when you see what's going on politically speaking, Hormoz, with the Trump administration trying to really, you know, break apart the Iran deal. And, you know, we've seen so much in the way of support for religious freedom worldwide from this administration. Is there anything in particular that the American government could do to help the Iranian people, you know, one day be free from this oppression that they're under right now? Well, Trump uh, policy. I'm not. I'm not. Don't want to get into politics. But Trump's policy has been working in Iran. With sanctions, even though to hardship, the government of Iran is in trouble. One thing the, gov- the people, Iranian people have uh, asked for the U.S. government is: Would you give us free internet? Because hmm. the technology is there. You yep. know, through satellite, they could have uh, free communication. That would be number one. A request and the support that the uh, U.S. government has. Uh, one, one thing amazing, Janet, the, Trump is very popular among Iranians inside Iran. I'll bet. <laughs> Those outside, Iranians in the U.S., maybe most of them are not. They're more democratic, liberal. But the people in Iran, even though they're under sanctions, they say, Trump, our hope is in Trump. Oh Please remove these mullahs surgically, without the war, remove them, <laughs> set us free. So 
they are pro Trump, many of them. Well, that's very interesting. Well, there's a lot to pray for over in Iran and, and what the Lord is doing. It's so encouraging, Hormoz, what you guys are doing at Iran Alive Ministries. I'll send people to your website, iranaliveministries.org. You can get all the information there, and you can, of course, text Iran, as you said before, to 74784. Dr. Hormoz Shariat, keep up the good work, Hormoz. It was wonderful to have you with us. Thank you, Janet. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. What wonderful work you're doing. It was so good to have you here. Thank you, too, for tuning in to Janet Mefford today. It's always a delight to have you with us, and we'll see you next time. This hour of Janet Mefford today was brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters March 13th. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com.